Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we have added question box to hear our community's thoughts on our episodes, polls to ask questions on what they think, and so much more. We highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, están escuchando a So Violento Son Macabro Podcast. Yo soy Ali. Y yo soy Dee. Hoy les contaremos de un caso que sucedió en San Salvador, en El Salvador. ¿Qué común son los feminicidas entre la pareja? Entre enero y mayo del 2021, la Organización de Mujeres Salvadoreñas por la Paz declaró que al menos 61 feminicidas fueron reportadas, que vienen siendo más del 34% en el 2020. En El Salvador, los crímenes contra la mujer no han sido contados como crímenes con castigo justo. Pero en el 2008, un crimen contra una reportera cambió el rumbo de cómo se castigan las, los crímenes de feminicidas en El Salvador. Hoy hablaremos de la reportera Carla Turcio y el primer feminicidio de El Salvador. Advertencia. La información de este caso puede ser desencadenante para algunos. Tengan en cuenta que algunos de estos casos pueden involucrar menores de edad, abuso, violación o violencia. Escuchen con precaución. Warning. The information on this case can be triggering to some. Please be advised that some of these cases may involve children, abuse, rape, and violence. Listen with caution. Desde pequeña, Carla Turcio soñó de ser periodista y comenzó su carrera en el 2004 en el Departamento de Periodismo de la Universidad de El Salvador. En abril de 2013 llegó a la prensa gráfica donde fue puesta como Community Manager de la revista El Economista, una de las publicaciones especializadas en el grupo de editorial. Al poco tiempo de llegar a la revista, logró ascenderse y a la nombraron en coordinator of web. So basically she was 
she was basically higher in rank when she was a part of this um, like periodista. So she was getting like really well known because she was a very hard worker, a good employee, and she was just overall a great person to be around. In 2016, she was recognized as being one of the best um, publishers and editors within the company. So it was a really big named uh, position, like uh, award based on uh, the, the type of uh, revista that it was. So she not a lot of people stuff. get it. She, so she, she was a good she reporter. Was she was one of the best reporters and even like within the whole like community of periodistas she was well known and well like liked by other people so um apart of said like a good employee she was also really well recognized within her field nice i know (laughs) hard-working girl she was like her parents um always say that like she was always busy she's always on the go but um she was really she really loved her job overall Mario Alberto Hueso Portillo, on the other hand, worked as an advertiser, and cl- and close friends would tell um, tell that he's um, would say that he was a, a really intelligent person. So basically, they're like he knew his stuff too, but they only knew like so much about him because he was very like to himself, very reserved, very quiet. So they they just knew he was a very intelligent person when it came to like his field. Close friends also mentioned that he was infatuated with the internet. They say he loved being online. It was during the time where like the internet had like a big boom and he was like really obsessed with like being in forums and in chats and communicating with other people on the internet. Sadly though, he in one of these websites that he would um join called um iVevos.com, which was like a a forum where they uh, interact about hobbies and anime and stuff like that. A lot of people would bully him because he was always online. Like he was obsessed mm. with being online. Okay. So él él empezaba a estar en las redes sociales, estaba uh, publicando mucho. Like he was just addicted was to being online. Yeah. Which I mean. It was the beginning of, of the internet, and it, it, some people just were obsessed with it more than other people. And then in the field that he was in, también, yeah, right? it, it's, I mean, like, it's advertisement, yeah. so, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. During this time, he, in one of these forums, he actually met Carla, because they both had um, a very, uh, uh, they both really enjoyed science fiction hmm. and anime, so they connected within that. Y a los pocos años empezaron una amistad y empezaron a verse outside of uh, las redes sociales y, y in this forum. Y eh, empezaron a tratarse como amigos y luego empezó un romance y duraron como de novios eh, for seven years. Okay. Up until the incident. So they were, they knew each other for a yeah. long time then. They knew, they knew yeah. each other for a long time. Yeah. Within a year of meeting each other, Mario and Carla ended up moving in together. And then within a year of moving in together, they had their first child. So the relationship was going good, it was going strong. Um, families would say that, um, the family of her of Carla would say that they got along really well. Porque él era más, uh, like, more passive, and she was more, like, uh, straightforward. 
and they kind of balanced each other out when it came to their attitudes and their personality. So, sus familias y amigos pensaban que eran como la pareja ideal porque it, se, se balanceaban mucho entre ellos dos. They seemed great from the outside. Yeah, from the outside, yeah. they had the perfect relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, they also mentioned that they rarely fought, which to me it's a red flag, but you know, to each their own. They said that they were they had the perfect partnering because they never fought. And when they, that Carla even mentioned that they would only fight to make their like love life interesting, but they, they didn't have any reason to fight. Um, within okay. the relationship. Dolores Cortés, madre de Carla, recuerda que su hija eh, era recuerda muy bien a su hija como su mejor amiga. Tenían una comunicación muy abierta. Siempre se hablaban, siempre se comunicaban. Um, there's also videos of Carla sending her mother videos whenever she was at work. Y, like she would say, oh, buenos días, mamá. Ojalá que tengas un buen día. O mensajes con su hijo y le decía, oh, dile hola a tu grandma. And like, they would send each other messages all the time. She says that she would always hear about Carla, even though she was a busy woman and she had um, a very packed, tight schedule. She always found time to you don't always check to, in to check in with yeah. her mom. So they they had a very close relationship. Después de que su hijo de Dolores falleció a los 29 años, ella declaró que le empezó a tener un cariño a su yerno, a Mario. Porque decía que su hijo de ella y él tenían muchas car- car- características similares. Okay. Y um, se sintió muy apegada, especialmente porque él estaba allí cuando falleció su, su hijo. So she had like a very like deep connection with him. Pero dice, ella declara también que siempre estaba mirando su celular. So it was always like they had a connection, but he was always preoccupied with being online. Pero en, en varias ocasiones su hija decía que tenían el, la relación perfecta. Después de haberse unido, eh, Carla y su papá de Carla compraron una casa uh, en la colonia Costa Rica, donde compartían la casa con su papá. So, Carla y Mario vivían en una parte de la casa y su papá vivía en la otra parte de su casa. Siempre dicen que la casa estaba buen, like, really organized, very clean. Um, the house was just a really good home que cuando Carla y Mario estaban ahí su papá se retiraba para que ellos tuvieran su tiempo y vivieran vivieran like mutually like really well so we have to put that in perspective the, the dad lived with her, with her the mom lived on the other side okay. of, of, of uh, El Salvador I mean so far it sounds like a great relationship so far so far I it mean, sounds like, exactly yeah like everyone I mean convivieron con él y, y todo so it sounds like it was going well yeah even una su compañera de Carla llamada uh, Valeria Guzmán uh, de, era su compañera de trabajo y una de sus mejores amigas um, también dijo que ella um, she inspired to have a relationship like her and Mario wow so like it got even to that point where like people would admire their relationship so much because they they, they were they were known to be like an ideal couple because yeah. they were perfect for each other basically yeah. Dolores declara que Carla uh, no era la que hablaba mucho de sus problemas o de, de sus miedos. Ella se mantenía esas cosas reservadas. Like, she was more open about the positive stuff that was going on in her life and rarely talked about any, like, bad things about her life. 
pero una semana antes. No estaba hablando de las exactly. otras cosas. I mean, yeah. So it could be when it comes yes, to like exactly. what, what she's actually going through. Yeah. Pero una semana antes de su fallecimiento, Dolores recuerda que uh, los veía muy distantes a ella y a, a, a Mario y a Carla. So she saw that they were kind of distanced with each other. So she found it weird. Y le preguntó que se habían peleado. Ella respondió que sí. Y ella y Dolores le contestó que no deberían que pelear, que tenían que cuidar su hogar y de cuidar de su hijo. Pero Carla contestó diciendo, ah, lo que pasa es que no lo conoces como, como es él. Uf. Exacto. Wow, okay. Yeah. Dolores declara que después de que su hija mencionó eso, la tomó de sorpresa y que sabía que algo no estaba bien en la relación. Yeah. <laughs> On April 13th, her co-worker and friend Valeria Guzman declara que they were um, actually watching a show. Um, they don't say if it was like an obra de teatro or like a movie at a theater, a movie theater, but they were together that night. So it was Valeria, Mario y Carla. Dice que terminó la obra y le dijo adiós. No la abrazó, solo recuerda que los vio salir riéndose y felices. Around 10 p.m., Carla um, recibe un mensaje de su, de su colega diciéndole que tiene que llegar a la oficina y que tiene que ajustar unas cosas de un reporte que había hecho. Que, um, that they, they were going to break the, the, day before, the day after. So they were like, you have to go back home. You have to, I mean, uh, go to the office. Fix a few things on the report so we could publish it the next day. Around 11.30, Mario comes picks her up. Throughout this whole process, you could see um, uh, security footage of her going into the office, doing her job, and then Mario picking her up and leaving. During this um, transcurso de irse de la oficina a, a su casa, dicen que pasaron por la zona rosa a llegar a Costa Rica, la colonia Costa Rica. Llegan a la casa... Y dice Mario que la dejó dormir. Que el niño despertó como eso de las 8 de la mañana y no la dejaba dormir. So Mario dice que arregló al niño, desayunaron en casa y se fueron a un parque. Como eso de las 8 de la mañana también, su papá llegó y se fue. So he just came in, checked in, and then checked oh, out. Yeah. So he wasn't like really aware what was going on. At around 12.30... Mario says that he left to the park and returned home around 3 p.m. He said that he um, he roamed through the house to see, you know, just checking around. And he said that he saw a pair of shoes missing. Wait, what happened between 8 to 12? Well, he said that he was making breakfast and stuff. Okay, and then, and like then at from there he went to the park. Yeah, and then at 12.30 he went to the park. Okay. And then he came back at 3 p.m. Okay. He says that during this whole time, he didn't wake up Carla at all because... So from 8 to 12, he didn't check in on her? No, he said that because um, she was working so late that he didn't want to okay. disturb her. Yeah. So he's like, I'm just going to let her be, going to take my son to the park and then come back later. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So during this time, he says that at 3 p.m., he goes around the house, checks around to, you know, just checking around the house. But he didn't see Carla anywhere. He said that he only saw two... Like, one of her pair of shoes missing. 
and her pajamas on the floor. He assumed that she probably took a shower, you know, put some clothes on, and left. That's all he he thought about it. He didn't think so much about, like, there was something going on or anything. He just said that she just left. You know, just probably ran an errand. Also, mind you, she didn't have a car, so she would have to walk out of her house. Just keep that in mind. Okay. At around 4 p.m., Carla's father returns home and doesn't know the whereabouts of of his daughter. Mario then explains that he was calling Carla's cell phone to see where she was at because, you know, it's been a couple of hours and they don't hear from her. However, she doesn't answer her her phone calls or returns them. At around 8 p.m., Mario says that he uh, found an anonymous note in his garage. The note said, Adios a su hija, licenciado, perro. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It's a handwritten note that he found anonymously in the garage. This was directed towards Carla's father. Yeah. And this isn't the first time she received this type of notes. They said that during the like they're during the relationship, she had gotten threats like that, but it was never to the extreme that they actually came to her house. It was always to like the newspaper, but never towards her home. At around midnight on Sunday, that that Sunday, which you know it's from that that afternoon all the way to Sunday midnight, um, Mario and Carla's father approached the police station and declared a missing person report. And then they also gave them the note, mind you. They got to the police station, gave the note, and then they went back home. Al llegar de la estación de policías, Mario pone un Facebook post diciendo, Si alguno de mis contactos que comparto con Carla Turcio ha tenido contacto con ella desde las doce y media del, del mediodía, o alguien que conozca, por favor, Hacérmelo saber. Marito, which is her son, y yo estamos en casa y estamos bien, pero ella no sabemos nada. So, okay. basically saying, we don't know anything about her. We don't know her Let whereabouts. Let us know if you guys have heard of her. Let me know if you've yeah. heard of her. Mario then went to Carla's workplace and asked her coworkers if they could help the family look for her. El 14 de abril, a las 4 de la tarde, el mismo sábado que Carla se, se desapareció, una señora llegó a la delegación de Huachipín para declarar que un miembro de su familia encontró un cuerpo de una mujer al lado del kilómetro 92. Esta es una carretera des- desolada. So, there's not a lot of traffic going through there. Not a lot of people pass through there. So, it's a pretty kind of lonely road. Y a las cuatro y media de esa tarde... Los oficiales encontraron el cuerpo de una mujer con dos bolsas negras amarradas uh, en el cuello. So, her head was covered um, by two black bags. And one of her um, under, I think it's, they said underwear, was wrapped around her neck. So, like, almost as tying it on her neck. A las seis de la noche, los inspectores de, lo, de los medios determinaron que el fallecimiento de, de la persona was caused within six to eight hours before they found her. So it had to be done that day. That same day. Yes. Yeah. El 15 de abril, which is that Sunday, a las 11 de la mañana, Mario y el padre de Mario fueron contactados 
y llamados a la delegación. Los policías le pidieron a Mario y al a la papá, el papá de Carla que tenían que identificar las características yes. de, de la persona que, había falle que habían encontrado. Pero en esos momentos, Mario decía que no quería ver las fotos. He said that he didn't want to identify the body, that he didn't want to do it. So they ended up taking him to the morgue to see if he could identify the body there. So the photos were part of like where they found the body. So like the within the vegetation, which is like the greenery and stuff. He said he didn't want to do it. So they're like, but you have to identify the body. Yeah. So they had to take him to the morgue, especially because he's her partner. Mm -hmm. They told him that it would be easier for him to identify it against like her parents. So lo llevaron a la morgue y en la morgue le pidieron su ID. In, in uh, El Salvador, I think they call it a DUI. Hmm. It's, it's, but it's considered his ID. Okay. So as soon as he reaches to his back pocket to take out his wallet, the investigators noticed that he was kind of nervous. That he was, um, like, really flimsy. That he, he was just... Like fidgety? Yeah. That he wasn't acting like a, his normal self. So when he takes out his wallet to show his ID... A piece of paper falls off out of his back pocket. This paper is folded into eight little sections. And the police, well, the investigators tell him, what is that? Like, what, what, what did, what, it, what fell off of your pocket? And he says, oh, it's the anonymous note. And the investigators are like, well, weren't you supposed to drop that off? Yeah, why does he have it? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, like... I, I did I guess I didn't. So when Okay. <laughs> That's dumb. Exactly. So Come when the the investigators asked him for the note, they opened the note and within the note they say Adiós a su hija, licenciado perro. But this time, instead of saying hija with one A, it had two A's. So they found it kind of weird. They're like, okay. They took the note, they were gonna have it as part of the investigation. Cuando los investigadores empezaron a preguntar sobre la nota, Mario didn't have an explanation of why he still had the note. So they just left it as a part of the investigation. But they kind of kept that in mind. A la una de la tarde, los oficiales confirmaron que era el cuerpo de la reportera Carla Tuxer. My God, I feel like I know where this is going with that note. Yeah. Oh, man. La autopsia declaró que Carla mostraba señales de estrangulamiento. Declararon que Carla fue estrangulada mientras dormía. Obtuvo dos golpes, dos en la frente y uno en la boca. But none of those were part of, like, deep injuries. That they were just, killed her. No, they said that the strangulation was the, the thing that killed her. También declararon que... More passionate. Huh? Strangulation. Like, more... Yeah. It's more intimate. It is. Yeah. They think that the reason that the golpes were there was to kind of place it as a, a specific way. So they throw it off? Yeah. So it, the strangulation was like the main reason. Mm -hmm. But the los golpes eran otra cosa. Like yeah. it was just a kind of like a cover up or like fluff. So people could be distracted about it. Yeah. También declararon que el cuerpo lo pusieron 
en la, en, el, en la vegetación, en la carretera, que no, ella no había muerto allí. So it means that they had took her away from wherever they killed her to that location. They just left her there. Yes. El domingo por la tarde, los detectives empezaron a investigar y inspectar el carro de la familia y la casa. And th también empezaron a investigar a la familia. So they started asking people questions like, is there anybody that, you know, you was think that would... to hurt her yeah. or anything? Yeah. Exactly. El 17 de abril, el cuerpo de, Car de Carla fue sepultada. Donde fue hasta el presidente de la de El Salvador. Uh, she was well known. Yeah. Well, the thing is that um, this case got a lot of pub publications because she's a reporter. And in El Salvador, they're, they're really known for like their, you know, crimen organizado and stuff. But yeah. um, this was one of those cases that was like interesting because nobody ever kills like reporters over there. That's, happened. Yeah, so the, it, especially because she wasn't part of like the investigation portion of it. She was like mostly about like the economy, like the money. That's what I was going to ask you because as a reporter, I was thinking, you know, was like, I mean, we kind of have an idea of, I'm imagining who did it, but yeah. it's like, did she, like, the, lo que reportaba era de crímenes, or was she an investigation, or no, nothing? she was part of the economic portion of the, okay. of, of the, of the publication, so she had nothing to do with organized crime. With anything like that. Okay. So, like, she yeah. literally was, quote-unquote, safe from, exactly. from, like, any, any sort of gang members, or, like, narcotraficantes, or anything. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't really part of that portion of the, of the periodismo. So it eliminates yes. possible so, people that did this. Exactly. Yeah. So as we know, sometimes these type of cases, when it comes to, like, reporters being more murdered, or um, really high-profiled cases go international, right? Mm-hmm. So this case became international news to the point that Univision actually covered it. Mm. Mm, um, Mario Hueso fue detenido nueve días después de la muerte de Carla. Después de dar una entrevista a Univision. So literally, right after he gave an interview to Univision, He was arrested that same night for the murder of Carla. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mario estaba acompañado de su hijo de cinco años y su suegro. Because they all went to the interview. Yeah. So he was, he was with them during that time. Desde que fue detenido, Mario seguía de, de, declarando que era inocente. Que no, él no era capaz de matar. El 20 de enero... Mario fue llevado a juicio, donde detectives explicaron que Mario Hueso trasladó el cuerpo de Carla Turcio desde la colonia Costa Rica, en San Salvador, hasta llegar a Santa Rosa, Huachipilín. Explicó que habían um, grabaciones que captaron el número de las placas del carro por toda la ciudad. So they said that they um, had many cameras throughout the city, and... Um, He was recorded driving around the city. So he basically said that he was only at home. And the only thing that he did was go to the park the with park his with son. The kid. Yeah. Yeah. But detectives um, analyzed that many storefronts were recording his license plate throughout the city and saying that he wasn't at the park, that 
places around the park did not capture his license plate at all throughout the park. Thank God those cameras were working. Exactly. Durante la investigación, la Fiscalía General de la República recolectó al menos 40 testigos y con suficientes pruebas documentales lograron su condena. According to detectives, Mario was recorded by 19 cameras throughout the city, showing his way from San Salvador towards the um, towards where Carla's body was found, and his way back. So they recorded his way towards there and his way back. So the gap of time between um, the time he left to there and coming back, all recorded to 3 p.m. So it was by the time that he got home again. So wait, he never went to the park with his kid. So no. where was his kid during all of this? Oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, yes, you're okay. jumping ahead. Um, they also found clothing that his son was wearing in the backseat of the car, matching the clothes that were in a hamper with inside his home. So during this whole transition of him being recorded throughout the city, they saw, like, a figure in the backseat that was his son. And the same clothes that the son was wearing during the time in the car was the same ones that they found in the house inside the hamper. So throughout this whole case, throughout this whole process, the son was near or within proximity of his dead mother's body. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I know. It's, it's sad. Detectives also found that um, the cellular pings of their phones were really close by for a really long proximity. So they said from the moment that they were home, their um, their tracking on their cell phones were together from the moment that he drove from the house to La Carretera. And then from La Carretera up to 2.30 p.m., the phone disappears. And then he arrives home. So he must have uh, thrown the phone off somewhere between dropping her body off and before he got home. So that's like how they registered it. According to these uh, phone records, Mario also made many phone calls to Carla's cell phone. But the only phone calls he made was after 4 p.m. So it was way after he disposed of the body. Mario continues to say he's innocent and declares that the government was desperate enough to charge anyone for Carla's murder and decided to blame the husband. Inside BBC's news, Mundo, he says, if things were switched around, where Mario Wessel was the one dead, would Carla Turcio be the one in the same position I am? First of all, I am not a journalist, so the police wouldn't have gone out to look for me. Secondly, my body would have been found in less than eight hours in a ditch somewhere. Whereas the president of El Salvador wouldn't even appear at my funeral for photographs for the daily paper. Mario Hueso has been sentenced to 50 years in prison, and he will owe $400,000 to the family, um, family Turcio and the government for the wasted resources. Jesus, man. <laughs> it's like, if he's... Okay, when, when he was saying that whole thing, like, oh, well, if it would have been me... Yeah. First of all, if it really wasn't you, you're saying it wasn't you, why would you say that? Yeah. It's like, if as her husband, you would be like, hey, they found her. Thank God they found her. But for him to be like, well, if it was me, then that just comes to show, come on, like, so. Yeah, 
But the also the most interesting part is that a lot of people said that they didn't notice any red flags up until the point of his capture. That they were saying that he was obsessed with her, that they would never leave their sights, that they were always together. And they said for a young woman like her, who has this much success, it's weird that she doesn't have a social life apart oh, okay. from work and husband. That the only type of friends that they had were people that they met in that forum because those were friends of his. Mm. So people started seeing things after. Yes. They said they also mentioned how um, his love for her was very like kind of love bombing where he always said, well, I loved her. I cared about her. Wherever she was, I was. Um, I wouldn't even let her, like, the sun beam down on her. Like, I wanted to protect her. I wanted to be with her. Like, we were going to have children. We were going to get married. Like, I just wanted to realize, like, I wanted to make her dreams come true. So, like, it was kind of this obsession over her and obsession over her um, just being, like, his. He was all about her, yeah. all about, like, she's mine, she's my wife, and love bombing her. But when it came to talking about the actual case, he was like, I'm innocent. I wouldn't do that to the person that I love. Like, if you only spent 10 minutes with me, you'd understand that how much I loved her and care about her. And, like, I wouldn't do such thing. And the government just wants to make me as a scapegoat kind of thing. Um, but it, through it all, people were seeing... Even her, like his parents, like her, uh, Carla's parents were like, um, at the beginning, they were like, oh, he would never do that. He was like, but as time went on and as he started giving interviews and talking about his, like their daughter, they realized that he's not the person Something that they thought off. he was. Yeah. The way he expresses himself. It, it went from like very like sweet, like how you described him in the beginning mm -hmm. to now it's like obsession like it mm -hmm. was it was intense yeah and also what i found more interesting about that a specific quote is that he talked about himself in a third person kind of dissociating himself from mm -hmm. the actual crime and even when he didn't want to identify the body um through photos yes it's like almost like repeating like kind of he like he was at the scene yeah yeah that threw me off because i'm like okay how are you okay with seeing the actual body but not seeing the pictures. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So it was because he was there. He yeah. was at the crime. He did it. So seeing the pictures, maybe it would have triggered him. He probably would have shown it in his face mm -hmm. and he probably would have gotten caught. So he was like, no, I'll look at the body. Mm -hmm. And the other interesting part about it is that um, the amount of uh, the portrayal that he did when he was um, at the funeral. That they, that the parents even uh, witnessed that he was just kind of, quote unquote, crying or being hysterical, but they didn't feel any sort of connection to him. That he almost felt that they, they, they felt a disconnection with him because he wasn't, he was kind of, it was almost, almost like for the cameras because cameras were there to like report. It was a big, the, yeah. The case, yeah. People were there. But, like, for them, it almost seemed like he was just portraying for them. But he wasn't, like, actually feeling the emotions. He wasn't emotions. feeling it. He wasn't yeah. feeling her loss. Exactly. Después del crimen de Carla, el gobierno del Salvador declaró la alerta urgente de la nación para uh, contrar el feminicidio, los casos feminicidas um, 
con castigos. So basically, the the president of El Salvador started saying we need to change how we portray feminicidas and how we charge these crimes because there wasn't like an actual castigo for people that were considered feminicidas or like the murderers that did anything to women or or children that were females they kind of like all put them under the umbrella of like a crime so there wasn't a specific division for feminicidas in El Salvador this case was one of the most vigilant cases to finally make the feminicidas uh, illegal crimes uh, against the women in based on gender in El Salvador. Due, the, due to the high profiles of this case, El, El Salvador has now added precise sentencing charges for the vicious, the vicious crimes against women. It is also known as the feminist side crime to be charged and sentenced against someone in El Salvador. According to the United Nations, El, Sal El Salvador habitats roughly 6 million people. It, al it also holds one of the world's highest rates of feminicides, and about 80% are all reported feminicides go unpunished. Sadly, it took the life of a journalist to change the way that El Salvador government accuses citizens for the crimes done to female residents. Wow. So, this is the case of Carla Turcio and the first case of feminicidas recorded in El Salvador. Wow. When did this happen again? This happened in 2018. Wow, it's recent. Yeah. So El Salvador is known to have a lot of crime. Yeah. And it's usually either, you know, like La Mala Salotrucha or like um, any sort of like crime or organized crime and stuff like that. But when it came to women they weren't covered so publicly in El Salvador. Mm. So... Estaba pasando. Like, it yeah. was happening before this case. Yeah. They they, they said that, um, with, like, women were being murdered or, like, sexually abused or um, sexual, like, assault, like, every hour in El Salvador. Wow, that's a lot. According to, like, statistics, um... Over 132 women were killed from January of that of, of 2018 up to when Carla was murdered. So you can only imagine, like, 132 women were murdered during that period. And after her, literally the April up until, I think, May or June, another 50 women were murdered. So it took them almost, like that month of April to finally start charging men or other women for these, for these crimes. Yeah. Um, and luckily, they do have a system now where they're charging people for the, these murders and um, having them under the umbrella of feminicidios because they didn't have one. But um, one of the things that I feel we should all be thankful for um, is that Mexico really did start this slow revolution of feminicidas, which is starting to trickle down to the South America, Central America, where people start opening their eyes about these types of murders. And I'm sure it started somewhere else, but they all kind of started around the same, like, 2018 era. And um, these crimes are being seen and heard. And women are finally putting... Their, their foot down and saying, 
you need to hear this. There's many crimes against women, and yeah, we are being treated fairly. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I mean, it's unfortunate. Yeah, that this had to happen to Karna, and it's un- it shouldn't be happening. Like in all of these cases, none of this should be happening. It's. I just, it's, man, it's hard. It's to just imagine how you, you can do that to someone that you say you love. Mm -hmm. It's, it's definitely one of those things where I'm, where I think back to it and I'm just like, this person loved you and you say you love this person back, but something ticked in you. That's did it. they say what it was? Like, did they no. nothing? Like, because well, the thing is that he keeps saying that he's innocent. He says it's not him. So he's saying that he has no fault in it. That he had no motive. Yeah. That he had no There's sense pictures. of. Yes. There's witnesses. Yes, and they also said that they found like specks of blood here and there within like the trunk of the car and in the home. There's evidence. So they know that something happened. Yeah. Um, but there's not enough evidence to prove that it happened. The only proof that they actually have is the fact that they have the car, um, mm-hmm. you know, driving around the city yeah. with uh, his kid in the back. Did, the, did they um, interview the kid? Has the kid said anything? Well, he, they said that he's five years old. And, he's little. And which the, the sad part about most of these cases is that the little boy was autistic. Well, is autistic. He's autistic. So he's like in the spectrum. So um, even for him to like... Maybe he didn't even understand. Was, yeah. I mean, not just because he's autistic, but he's five years old. Yeah, he's, he's five years old. Maybe he didn't see it. I'm hoping he didn't I'm see I'm hoping anything. he didn't see anything. But the fact that he was still around his mother's body is the tragic part to me. Because he had no fault in this. Like, he had mm. no sense of, like, awareness of what no, was going on. Yeah. Um, And he was with his mother. There was, like, also an interview with um, the Carla's mother. And they tell him, like, oh, you know, this, you know that his mother's gone. And I think uh, Carla's mother's like, no, like, we just say that he, she's out on the trip. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have, like, we don't know how to explain the fact that, yeah, that he's gone. Because he's like, it, apart from losing his mother, he also loses his father. Papa también, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. El papá de... de poner a su hijo en esa situación. Yeah. It's like he the, the, the child has no, no no place to be in there. You can't say you love someone and do that to someone. Exactly. Do that to that person and then have your kid with you riding along. Exactly. But it it also seems very selfish to the point that he's he's only thinking about himself and not thinking about like his child or, or anything. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to that note? So, the note that... Ugh, completely forgot to mention that. Thanks for, mm-hmm. for asking yeah. the question. So, officially, the police actually did have the note. So, mm-hmm. when the detectives saw him, that no other note fall off of his pocket, they automatically knew that there was something suspicious yeah. going on. Especially because of uh, the misspelled of the note. Mm-hmm. They were like, okay, so you, it was he was writing an anonymous note. So he had to have had time to write this note or like was run like kind of like wanted to have like some sort of like cover up yeah. over like what happened to her and her disappearance. 
and decided to write a note and realized that he fucked up, so he mm-hmm. took another piece of paper and did it again. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He messed up. He put two A's. So he's like, oh shit, I messed up. So let me write it again. Yeah. And forgot that he put it. Yeah. In his pocket. Yeah. What so the, 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 even the yeah even the investigators were like, that's strange because you have to forfeit that evidence, um, right when you right when you do an investigation. So they knew already that he, they had the note. They had it. So well, I think during that I forgot him. what happened. I can't remember, but they said they said in a in a in a series that he that they that the investigators actually called um, the the police police station where they actually had the evidence, and they were like, "Yeah, to the confirm. notes. Yeah, yeah, the notes still here." So from that point on, from the moment that he didn't want to de- like look up the characteristics of the body. They knew that there was something wrong. Yeah. So after that point and then finding the note, they already knew he was. He had to do something with the crime. He was a suspect. Yeah, he was a sus- suspect from the beginning. Yeah, everything he was doing just led to it. Exactly. There's evidence. Everything's there. Mm-hmm. It's, he's not going to admit to it. He's not going to admit to no. it. I feel like he's um, he's too self-centered. And too egocentric for for anything for him to like crack yeah. in any way. And no history before, like no crime no. before. Nothing. They they just said that he he was he was just very introvert. He was very obsessive with like internet stuff. Um, that he he just he he kind of just enjoyed talking to other people online. But that's it. Nothing. But that's else. it. They didn't. They didn't. They they don't have any record of him, of any criminal record against him. But at the same time, they didn't know much about him either, um, based on like any sort of crimes that he had committed in the past. I'm interested to learn. I mean, hopefully later on, if he admits or if they get something from him, to learn why he did it. Exactly. Because he hit her. Mm-hmm. La orco. Yeah. Y luego le puso dos bolsas. Yeah. Y la amarró con una... Like her underwear. Her, yeah. Her, yeah. The, they, from wow. my understanding was that the reason that he he put the bags on her face and like strangled her mm-hmm. with like her, her ropa interior was that um, he wanted just to cover it up as a crimen organizado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so basically all everything that he did it was all kind of like, you know, somebody... Somebody came. else did it. Yeah, yeah, somebody else did it. But mm-hmm. he was dumb enough to not really properly think it through, basically. Good. That's yeah. good that he didn't think it through, because that's how they caught him. Yeah, because yeah. he slipped. He yeah. he really fucked up everywhere. He did. And it's not exactly like like the, putting the bags, like las bolsas negras, y amarrar el cuello con, un, con uno de sus... Um, with her underwear. It The way he did it... He was really trying to blame yeah, others. Yeah. So, like, yeah. because, I mean, if you think about it, it's like a lot of these crimes are committed as, like, crimen organizado. Nobody thinks about, you know, feminicidas or anything. So he was just thinking, like, if I just make it seem like somebody had a hit and on her, out. let's see yeah. how it works. So, yeah. like, the whole process of it was stupid. And I'm glad he got caught. Yeah. ¿Cuántos años le dieron? Le dieron 50 años. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, they gave him 50 years. And um, 
they said that they they don't have the whole like you're good we'll let you go out early kind of thing and then he's still trying to appeal his case but they say it's very hard to like prove it there's a lot of evidence yeah so this was this week's uh episode um i really want to know what you guys think uh we want to know if you have any information on this if if you have any more cases from el salvador because you know it, it's one of the first ones that I, I i was actually really interested in because it had to do with a journalist but um if you have any uh, interesting cases that you want to talk about if you want to you know give us any and advice on any cases or anything that would be great um yeah we're we're open to listening to you guys so uh you can find us um on instagram twitter and tiktok as um svsm underscore podcast and on facebook uh as soy violento soy macabro podcast and um yeah um let us know i'm also gonna add uh the poll on our spotify where you can vote whether you believe that he made the crimes or if you think he's innocent uh let us know um we, we would love to hear about you uh, what your thoughts are on these cases and um yeah uh remember to rate review subscribe yes please on uh apple podcast and uh follow us and rate us on uh spotify because they're doing that now so mm-hmm. please Leave do that comment <laughs> yes we love to read your comments so uh yeah please go ahead and do that and uh yeah we we were excited to hear from you guys and um yeah talk to you guys next week thanks for listening stay safe out there definitely uh yeah so bye, bye. stay spooky